first reading this morning is from uh, Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 to 4. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And if you could turn with me again to the story of Joseph, that's Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, and I'm going to be reading verses 5 and 6. So Genesis 39, let's hear from God's word. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Well, friends, as we take a closer look at God's word, let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truths of your wonderful word. We thank you that we can sing of them. Father, we thank you that we can lift our hearts to you and give you thanks. And Father God, we thank you now for the wonderful story, the wonderful account of Joseph. And as we hear of his account, Lord, as we hear of his walk with you, may you inspire and encourage us to do the same. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen. Defining moments. Live life long enough and we all have them, don't we? There are the general ones like starting school, finishing school, first job. And then there are those defining moments that are unique to you. The success of Safari Campers, the family business, blessed us with a nice house, nice boat, etc., etc., etc. But then thanks to a whole bunch of circumstances, the doors were closed and were closed permanently. And so we found ourselves in one of those defining moments that no family would ever choose to go through. But now, looking back, every single one of us in my family are glad we did. Because within the fear and the mess and the turmoil of it all, there was a knock on the door. On the other side of that door was a person from the local church inviting my mum to find out more. And this invitation setting us on a path we never dreamed we would ever walk down. And I dare say we never would have if the, if the business continued to sail along. And so, long story short, our confidence and our dependence and our trust 
that we placed in the shifting sands of this world moved to the rock, the solid rock that is Christ. And friends, although I can you know, look back on it all now and smile as I see God's hand in it as he drew us to himself, when we were in the middle of it, there wasn't a whole lot of smiling going on, not much joy at all as God shook our world. And that's the reality of life, isn't it? Come the earthquakes, and they do come, but often, very often, we don't know why. As no word is given to us by God as to how he is working out this tough situation, this dark valley that we're in for the good. True for us, and most certainly true, as we saw last week, for a young man called Joseph. But tough times and dark valleys, as we also saw last week, was not how things started for Joseph, was it? For this young man, as we saw, grew up within a special, protective, parental bubble. 17 years, Joseph lived inside Jacob's love bubble. And so Joseph reaches 17 without his character, his person, nothing in him at all, not even once, ever being put to the test. But that's all about to change. For in his 17th year, Joseph is going to be hit with one of those defining moments. And what a moment it is for this young man as that protective bubble is abruptly popped by his 11 jealous brothers. His beautiful coat ripped off his back and then with jeers and jokes about him and his his silly dreams handed over to a bunch of Ishmaelites. Remember Ishmael? Born to Sarah's slave girl, but then rejected by Sarah, rejected by Abraham, And now, well, 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 what do we have here? An offspring of Sarah and Abraham's. Yeah, sure, we'll take him. Take him to the slave markets down in Egypt. And so the deal is done. And Joseph is shoved into a slave cage and the door locked shut. And as he sits in there, curled up in there, unable to get comfortable, unable to stretch out probably as his head bangs against that cruel cage mile after mile, hour after hour. You can only imagine the fear and the panic that must have been going through this young man's mind, can't you? And friends, his fear is coupled with ours, isn't it? Because now his bubble is gone. Surely... Joseph is not going to last two seconds in the horrific situation that he now finds himself in. For this is a trial. This is a moment even the most hardened person is going to struggle with, let alone preened and protected Joseph. And so it's with grave fears for this young man we now pick up the story 
And as we do, we're informed right there in verse 1, he is sold on to the king of Egypt's top official, one of his top officials, indeed the captain of his guard. His name, Potiphar. So friends, let's get this straight. The bloke who has the job of training up an elite squad of hardened fighting men that they might offer round-the-clock protection to the king of Egypt, this soldier of soldiers has just taken possession of the softest 17-year-old in the entire Middle East. I mean, how is that going to go down? How is that going to play out when the captain of the guard discovers who he's purchased? Is he going to get out his knitting needles and quickly make Joe a special new coat to replace the old one? I don't think so. And so as he's dragged off to Potiphar's, we're left wondering, how is Joseph going to last a single day in his new job under this very, very different household? Indeed, friends, we are left asking, aren't we, as we asked last week, Where is God in all of this? Now, where is he as Joseph goes from the frying pan and straight into the oven? Where is God as Joseph sinks further and further into darkness? Well, friends, it's taken 37 long verses, but now we receive an answer. Beginning of verse 2, have a look. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, friends, look carefully again at these five words. And notice that in God's showing up, he doesn't act how we might expect, does he? That is, he doesn't show up to protect or shield or save Joseph in any way from all those wrongs wrongs done to him, is he? No, verse 2 simply tells us that the capital L-O-R-D, i.e. the personal God of all creation called Yahweh, is simply with Joseph. So no miraculous change to his external environment. Rather, God comes and he fills Joseph's internal environment. Now, did this coming and this feeling happen recently? You know, last few days as Joseph, in the response to the loss of his earthly father, now turns to his heavenly father? Or was this relationship, this closeness with God, always there for Joseph? Well, friends, we're simply not told, are we? All we know is what our writer now wants us to know. Know and be sure of. And that is this defining moment Joseph has found himself in. Well, he's not abandoned. He's not alone. For his greater father, his heavenly father, is with him. Now, that's the first thing our writer wants us to know. And the second thing he wants us to know is this presence with God or of God with Joseph, his love, his comfort, his assurance is going to make all the difference for Joseph. Indeed, cause this defining moment for this young man to be a moment that we were going to read 
and he's going to be spoken about by millions across the world right to this very day. Now, how can that possibly be? Well, let's read on and find out. Pick it up at verse 3. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, friends, as we take these verses in, after all the bad things that have happened, one after the other after the other, the turnaround that we are presented with here is truly stunning, isn't it? Joseph's situation changes and changes dramatically. But again, it's not because God has stepped in and changed his circumstances. But how then is Joseph's outer world affected so profoundly if that's the case? Well, friends, let's join some dots here. Joseph's inner world, as we know, as we're told, is filled with the presence of God. And the blessing that comes with that is then expressed by Joseph outwardly. Outwardly in word and deed from the moment he gets up in the morning to the moment he goes to bed at night. And by shining out, indeed bringing God out and filling the spiritual vacuum of this godless household, Potiphar experiences the blessing of the true and living God being made manifest in his little world. In other words, Joseph brings an Eden-like harmony. Joseph brings order out of chaos for Potiphar. The curse of living in this outside Eden world is replaced by the blessing of God. And this blessing so obviously comes through the God that Joseph worships so clearly his God, rather than the idols Potiphar worshippers, that he can't help but acknowledge this, can he? Can't help but to find favour in Potiphar's eyes, that is Joseph. Indeed, such favour that this military leader now entrusts himself to Joseph's leadership. Every single decision he now makes now goes through Joseph, bar what Potiphar chooses to eat. Maybe he's a little bit too fond of his bacon to give that up just yet. Now, friends, as we take that in, I think it's important to, to pause the story right there and join some dots for ourselves concerning how God affected, affected Joseph's situation so we can understand how perhaps God affects ours. 
Now, how might we do that? Well, let's start perhaps with having a think about how we respond spiritually when circumstances turn against us. Turn in a way that, like Joseph's, is clearly and obviously unwarranted and unfair. Now, friends, I can't speak for you, but when I'm taking hits that, as far as I can tell, are completely undeserved, my natural inclination is not to draw near to God, not to rest in God, but state my case before him. But what a contrast, what a difference the response of Joseph's is right here. As the darker and harder his situation gets, the more he goes to God, the more he rests in God, and the more he is motivated to live him out. The result, blessing and peace for Joseph despite his situation. Now, this is the first thing that really jumps out at us in this defining moment for Joseph, doesn't it? And as we take in the blessing that Joseph receives for, I guess, pushing in and trusting in God in his situation, if you remember nothing else in this sermon today, especially if you're going through something tough right now, May Joseph's surprising response to his horrendous situation help, encourage, and guide you in yours. I guess that you might also know the blessing of God in the struggle as Joseph did. Because, friends, the very same God who was with Joseph is the one who promises to be with us. And so continuing to join the dots here, the internal dark clouds are blown away by Joseph's close walk with God. So much so, as we read, that the external dark clouds dissipate for him as well. As such, could it be that what we are witnessing here is an example, indeed an application of how we bring order to the chaos of living in this outside Eden world for ourselves. You know, that if we would only rest in God's presence like Joseph and stick it out like him, then eventually things will turn around for us. Now, eventually success, prosperity, blessing will also come to us just like Joseph. Is that how we are supposed to join the dots of this passage here? Well, friends, let's read on. Because the blessing godly, faithful Joseph has brought to this household brings him further attention. Now, this can only be more good news for Joseph, right? Well, let's have a look. Because blessing upon blessing is not quite how things now turn out for him. Have a look, middle of verse 6. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. 
Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph seems to have a problem with cloaks, doesn't he? When she saw that, He had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house. She called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Now, friends, having heard this this bald-faced lie, will the presence of God that Potiphar now knows and is benefiting from guide him toward the truth? Will he now hold up Joseph's godly character against his wife and so see who has acted against him? Well, friends, the answer is no. And with that, we see living with Joseph-like faith offers no guarantees. For while the internal blessing of God, of him being with you, is unshakable, the external blessing that it might bring is shakable, can easily crumble. As we now see, verse 19, have a look. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And so with that, just like that, Joseph plunges deeper into darkness. Indeed, friends, his faithfulness to God and the blessing this produced is the link, is the cause that sees Joseph go from slave to prisoner. Now, if only he had kept his head down. If only he forgot God and just acted the same as all the other slaves in Potiphar's household. If only he didn't shine such that his master's wife took a shining to him. Surely this will be Joseph's conclusion as he now rots in his dark sinking cell for the rest of his natural life. Well, let's see. But while Joseph was there in prison, The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care 
because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So no, Joseph doesn't give up but keeps the faith. And again, as we see, this internal blessing is manifested in external ways for Joseph. But still, where to here for Joseph? Because he's still behind bars, isn't he? Stuck there as an innocent man. And friends, we know enough now about this story to know that God is not going to now show up and break him out. And knowing this, surely the question must now be asked, what good is it to have Joseph's God, his God with you? If his presence takes you from a well to a slave to a dungeon. Now, as we wrap up this chapter, how are we inspired to have the same closeness, the the same relationship with God as Joseph? If that relationship sees him go from the frying pan to the oven and now to the fire. Because that's Joseph's life so far, isn't it? It's a constant spiral down. So honestly, what do we do with this? Well, friends, there's another passage that Joseph's downward spiral mirrors. It's a passage that talks of another innocent man who kept descending down and down thanks to his close walk with God. Now, how on earth is another example of this an encouragement to us? Well, let me read it to you. It comes from Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes, Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a slave and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Friends, see the parallel here of Jesus and Joseph as he spirals down and down, all the way down, finally landing not in the coldness of a prison but in the coldness of a lifeless tomb. So is that where being with God, him being with you ultimately leads? Is that what the blessing of his presence finally brings you? Well, the passage isn't finished yet. It continues. Paul writes, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, the story of Joseph's downward spiral links us directly 
to Jesus, as he also, thanks to jealousy and lies, is condemned. But thanks to the God who was with him, his story didn't end in the prison of the grave, but victory over it. Jesus' story was also a story of down, but it didn't end down, but up. And if your faith is in God's risen, vindicated, glorious Son, then rest assured he's stronger than death, vindicating love, is also with you. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means, friends, whatever Joseph-like consequences that God being with you may bring for you in this life, in the here and now, you are blessed. Because you know as powerful and as overwhelming as the darkness may seem at times, it simply must always, every time, give way to the light, for the light is more powerful than the darkness. And you have that light. You have it in you and you have it with you if you are in Christ by faith. In his own words, and with this we'll close, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, We thank you that your word assure us that if Christ is in us, if Christ is with us, we have the sure hope of glory. And we pray and give thanks to you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.